Hello and welcome to the Southampton audio programme for their game against Newcastle United, the semi-final for the Carabao Cup. In this issue, we have an interview from James Ward-Prowse, your Southampton's women's update, memories of the 2017 semi-final and much more. But first, a word from your manager, Nathan Jones. Dear supporters, welcome back to St Mary's as we host the first leg of our Carabao Cup semi-final against Newcastle United. This is an exciting occasion for everyone, with the chance to reach a major cup final at Wembley Stadium now within touching distance for both clubs. And I know how much it would mean to all of you if we can progress and earn a shot at winning a significant piece of silverware. I remember watching the 2017 semi-final in this competition against Liverpool and the incredible scenes at the end of those two games. With a number of my family being huge Saints fans themselves, I know how special the memories from those matches are, and I would dearly love it if we could create more of those for you this time around. That will be no easy task though, as we face a talented Newcastle team that will arrive here with plenty of confidence given the run of form they are on. I would like to welcome Eddie Howe, his staff and players, and also the travelling fans to Southampton for the game. Newcastle have been enjoying a fantastic season, and we know they will provide a very tough test for us both tonight and in the return leg. However, we have also found plenty of success in the cup competition so far ourselves and we know if we play to our best and produce the sort of performance we did here in the last round against Manchester City that we can come out on top. Saturday's defeat to Aston Villa was a frustrating one for all of us but we again limited a strong side to very few opportunities which has been a trend for us recently. Clearly, there are areas we need to improve but I feel we are making real progress as a team. While there is obviously significant importance on the league, this semi-final offers us an incredibly exciting opportunity and some positive results and performances here will no doubt benefited us when we return to those matters. It will obviously be important that we give ourselves a good foundation tonight ahead of next week's trip to St James's Park for the second leg and your support there can play a huge part in that. Together, let's make this a special night. We march on. If there's one player who owes Southampton nothing, it's James Ward-Prowse. The captain's unwavering commitment is driven by a constant desire to repay the club for helping him live his dream, but what he really wants now is a trophy to show for it. I did have a little think about what to wear, announces James Ward-Prowse, who has been teed up in advance to be the latest feature interviewee for Saints as he sits down for the accompanying photo shoot. In the end, I just thought, this is me, isn't it? The skipper is dressed head to toe in understated black, with the exception of a white pair of trainers and a trace of grey around his neckline as a sliver of his t-shirt peers out over his jumper. Warprouse has not changed. Facially, the boyish smile remains and the familiar quiff untouched, but more pressingly, as a person, for all the attention that comes with being a Premier League protagonist. For a long time, the 28-year-old was the poster boy for Saints' proud academy. These days, his status surpasses that. Ward-Prowse is not only a symbol for Staplewood, or even his football club as a whole, but a leading figure in the city of Southampton. With this interview provisionally booked in for the afternoon, the captain requests to bring it forward when the cold weather causes Nathan Jones to delay training by an hour on Wednesday morning to allow the pitch to thaw. Rather than grateful for a line, he's up and ready to go, eager to use the extra hour to achieve something. He's a man in high demand. From sponsors and broadcasters to charity work and public appearances in the local community, there's only so many hours in the day. 
Only last week, a video of Warprass taking free kicks with YouTuber ChrisMD surpassed 1 million views inside 24 hours. But this feels like a particularly good time for a catch-up with the captain. James's side have just won three games in a week. His star player has five goals in his last six, passing 50 for the club, and has the first Carabao Cup semi-final on the horizon since Saints last reached the final in 2017, with War Prowse the sole survivor from the current squad. There's an air of redemption, I think, about the people who have remained here, he says, of 2017, when Saints were painfully close to ending the club's long wait for a major trophy. You can give so much to the fans, to the people with your dedication, your passion, your work. But to be able to give this club a trophy, and obviously having had the taste before at Wembley in 2017, to give that to the people would be an incredible feeling. By Warpress's own admission, the cup competitions have been a welcome distraction for Saints this season. Reaching the quarterfinals by seeing off League One sides Cambridge United, Sheffield Wednesday and Lincoln City, the FA Cup win at Crystal Palace gave Saints a springboard to shock Manchester City at St Mary's and book a place in the last four against a Newcastle team whose own wait for silverware extends back to 1969, seven years longer than the Saints. The semi-final is a massive opportunity, Ward Prowse recognises. Having obviously secured that spot by beating Manchester City, it more gives us a little bit more of a boost because we were the underdogs against City. To face a really good Newcastle side will be tough, but a great challenge and an opportunity for us to play with no fear. You don't get many opportunities in your career to play in a quarter-final, semi-final or a final, and we've got a fantastic chance of getting through. We can't let this opportunity go by. Characteristically, honest and considered, Ward Prowse admits he carries regrets from Saints' semi-final performance in the FA Cup against Chelsea in 2018 and Leicester in 2021. Unlike those occasions, which were one-off games at Wembley, this is a two-legged affair with home advantage for both sides. Last time Saints faced this scenario, they won the home leg to take a lead to Anfield, where Shane Long's last gasp goal secured a famous triumph over Liverpool. I think you're obviously playing against a really good team, a team in good form, and to be going to St James's Park with a lead would be massive. But our mentality has to be right if that's the case, Ward Prowse explains, having played in both legs against Liverpool and started the final against Manchester United that year. It's not all won and lost in the first leg. We know going up there to the atmosphere is going to be electric and it's a great challenge for us. There's no point playing with any fear. We have to go and attack the matches and give ourselves the best chance of getting through. We've got a fantastic chance to reach the final. We're all desperate to give this club silverware. Now up to... 388 appearances, Warpress is closing in on Southampton's top 10. No current Premier League player has played more games exclusively for one club. His Saints legacy is growing by the week. Still only 28, you wonder just how many games he'll rack up before he retires and what his status at the club might look like by then. I'm not thinking that far ahead, he laughs modestly, dismissive of the question, but his love for the club still shines through. I've said it numerous times before, this club has given me so many opportunities, right from a young boy to go and achieve my dream of becoming a professional player. Regardless of how many games go, whether I score, whether we win, my main priority is to give back to the club everything they've given to me. That's opportunity, that's commitment, dedication, all of those things that are at the forefront of my game every week. Whilst those are all prerequisites for Ward Prowse, regardless of his form, the midfielder admits his game was not where he wanted it to be in the early part of the season. 
Oriol Romain, 256 appearances. Shane Long, 245. Nathan Redman, 232. Fraser Forster, 162. Jan Bednarek, 152. And Jack Stevens, 151. All left in the summer, either permanently or alone, having combined for nearly 1,200 Saints games between them. With the club's recruitment strategy aimed at targeting young players, Warprice feels he was guilty of taking on too much responsibility in trying to mentor a new wave of rookies. When the World Cup arrived in November, Saints spent the six-week break in the relegation zone and their captain was overlooked by his country. I think you always have challenges along the way, new reasons, typically rational. To have dealt with the disappointment of the World Cup squad and change of manager and also bearing that more responsibility that it is a younger squad now and maybe the squad looks different to last year. Your role changes slightly and you have to take a bit more responsibility. I think you're always analysing the squad and seeing how you can help, how you can be effective. I was almost trying to do too much in that regard. Last year there were a lot of senior players here and I think the dressing room and the way that we worked ran itself. We've got a lot of new younger players in now who maybe need a little bit of guidance. And I think in the back of my mind, I was ensuring that I was trying to have a good effect on that. And maybe that detracted away from my performances. A fortnight ago, in his first interview as a Saint, new signing Carlos Alcalas named Warpras as one of his role models. CEO Martin Simmons has openly spoken of how previous arrivals have told him they're excited to join a club in part to play alongside the skipper. That's really nice to hear. And I think that... Beats any kind of success you can have in football if people are looking at you in that way, or perhaps beams. It's great for me as well, because I've been in that position where you were young, and you're coming into the team and you're looking up to the older players. I had some great role models and people to learn off along the way. Stephen Davis in particular was that for me, to watch him day in, day out, to see his professionalism and the way he went about his work. To now be in that position, it's great for me to help him on the pitch, but also teach him a bit of English because he can't speak a word. But that's great. That's part of the challenge for us. Even more important than being a good teammate, what Pras points out is to be a good father to his two sons, Oscar and Max. Such is his dedication to football, alongside the constant stream of off-field requests, the England international has had to learn a new skill, how to say no to people. I think that's maybe been part of my personality that has had to evolve over the years, he ponders. Because I love and care so much about football, it's not always easy, especially when you're in a difficult position like we have been, to switch off. It does have an effect, but on the other hand, I know that I'm a role model for my children and I want to give them the best possible opportunities in life. Even though things are tough, hopefully they can learn from that. It's difficult when your son's asking why we've lost or why haven't you scored. That's part of the challenge that comes with football. As long as I'm representing them well and giving them a good role model to follow, then I'm doing my job. Whilst Walprouse remains approachable to all, there is an added steeliness that has grown on the pitch through necessity, he believes, to survive in the Premier League. And he's something he credits to former boss Ralph Hassenhutel. When Ralph came into the club, that definitely brought that side out of me, he reflects. I realised pretty quickly that if I wanted to play for his team and soon realised that I wanted to be a real player in the Premier League, then I needed to have that aggression and that different role. I think you're always analysing your own performances, seeing where you're strong and what you can work on. I think I lost a little bit of that earlier on in the season, but I feel like I'm totally in a different space now and I'm ready to attack the rest of it. The arrival of another new manager, four years later in the form of Jones, has again showed signs of taking Warprouse to new heights higher at the pitch specifically, and into more frequent goal-scoring opportunities.
I've enjoyed playing further forward, he says. I think it gives me more license to get into the box and I believe that I can score more goals than I have done in previous years. Much like Hassan Uttal did for Ward Press, he explains Jones is helping Saints evolve away from being too nice. It was funny how in the first few days he wasn't afraid to tell you if you played a bad ball or missed a chance, he smiles. Those demands are increasing on us because that's what we need to do. We're Premier League players and we can definitely demand more from each other. His demanding persona behind the scenes is made public in media appearances. Jones calls it as he sees it. A lot of the time in football, you see the same sort of old interviews. This is probably one of them, more brass jokes. It's nice to see him being a bit different and being outspoken. I think it's good for us as a club because from the outside, people probably look at it as a nice club. It's down south and when teams come to stay, they're in a nice hotel. It's deemed as a nice club and I think we need to change a little bit of that. I think we need to have a little bit more of an aggressive side to us. I think the manager is definitely bringing that. It's up to words to put that on the pitch. If the team's progress over the coming months can mirror that of their captain, Jones will be leading a revival that could carry Saints not only to survival, but silverware. Around halfway into our first season, in the second tier of women's football, and Southampton FC women have already had some show-stopping moments. Here, we relive some of the best bits alongside players Rosie Parnell and Paige Peak. First championship goal. A defeat in their first game against Charlton Athletic spurred Saints on to secure their first point as they travelled to the Dripping Pan Stadium against Lewes. Despite a slow start, Academy graduate Ellen Morris was on hand to kickstart the comeback, scoring both her and the club's first women's championship goal as she latched on to a Katie Wilkinson through ball and slammed home under pressure. First championship win. Not long after that first goal, the first three points were also secured. Lexi Lloyd-Smith struck twice at Sellers Park, either side of the half, in her first start for Saints against a strong Crystal Palace side. A quick start saw Saints go ahead six minutes in, before Palace struck just before half-time. However, Saints' new signing hit the target again in the 47th minute, and a professional performance saw the league newcomers climb the table. Paige Peak remembers the moment. Lexi Lloyd-Smith's celebration had to be one of the best of the season. She basically threw herself into the crowd. Rosie Parnell recalls, she had over 100 people there watching. Peak, she did. Half the people there were probably her family, and all you could hear was her mum. Making a big statement in Bristol. A week after the win at Palace, Saints faced another top-of-the-league away side visit to Bristol City. The Robins, Fionn Morgan, opened the scoring in front of the 3,000-strong crowd with an unstoppable shot, but Beth Lumsden's first goal of the club was enough to see the Saints leave with a point as she latched onto a pinpoint cross from Ella Morris. Parnell said, We went 1-0 down and we weren't very good in the first half, but we pulled it back with a lovely finish from Beth from a great Ella Morris cross. We really got at them and probably could have got the three points in the end with a bit more luck. Last-minute drama in Dartford. On the first Sunday in December, a depleted Saints squad travelled to London to face their London City Lionesses for the last league game of 2022. Prolific goalscorer Sarah Owens thought she had silenced the Saints contingent as the impact sub netted from close range in the 72nd minute. But it was not to be. Ella Pussy cleverly weaved her way into the box before being brought down by the keeper, with Paige Peak stepping up to the spot to convert the ensuing penalty. Peak said, Earlier in the week, Ella Pussy and Lucia Kendall were having banter about celebrations, 
And I said that my fist pump always came out in the passion moments. Parnell follows on to say, I had no doubt you were going to put that away. Everyone remembers the magic moment when Shane Long sent Saints to Wembley with a last gas goal at Anfield. But what of Nathan Redmond? It was Redmond who set up that unforgettable return match with the winner from the first leg on another special night at St Mary's. That contribution was every bit as vital, possibly more so as it gave Southampton something to defend as they attempted to become the first team to inflict a semi-final defeat on Jurgen Klopp. The Merseysiders manager famously described himself as the world record holder at winning semi-finals, apart from this one. That record made it a daunting task for Claude Puel's men, who went into the tie in a run of three successive league defeats, and having lost 6-1 at home to the same opposition in the previous campaign's competition. By contrast, Liverpool, having plundered Saints for players, had tasted defeat only twice all season, but they finished thankful not to lose by more in an unusually one-sided game. A capacity crowd created an electric atmosphere for Southampton's first semi-final in 14 years, with both sides feeling each other gently in the opening quarter of an hour. The game burst into life on 17 minutes when Adam Lallana headed down for Roberto Firmino, whose blast was well kept out by a great reaction save from Fraser Forster. It was to be their only real chance. From then on, it was one-way traffic. A minute later, a deep cross from Dusan Tadic picked out Redmond in space at the far post. He controlled well to set up the shot, but Lorius Carius was out quickly to block with his feet. It was only a temporary reprieve. Ragnar Klavan failed to clear and Jay Rodriguez threaded through to put Redmond in behind a static back line. The visitors appealed in vain for a flag. Even without VAR, the attacking midfielder was clearly onside as he took one touch to control and this time his precise shot found the bottom left corner. Saints almost dwelled their lead three minutes before the break and again it was Redmond who was at the heart of every attack. Ryan Bertrand cut in from the left and found Tadic who squared across goal. Redmond's fierce shot was well kept out by the much maligned Carrius, who had been widely criticised in previous games, but picked this night to produce probably his best performance in the Liverpool shirt, to prevent the home side winning by more. Puel's men had another great chance to double their lead on 65 minutes, when Cedric cleared a visitor's corner to Redmond. The fullback then turned on the afterburners to overtake his teammate, who timed the return pass to perfection, playing it in through the inside right channel. With Rodriguez screaming for a pass, the Portuguese defender went for glory, but found only the side netting. Another opportunity went begging six minutes from time, when Long burst in from the left and selflessly squared for Redmond, who dinked his shot against the underside of the bar. Dejan Lovren cleared as referee Neil Swarbrick confirmed the ball had not crossed the line. Amid all the full-time celebrations, there was a nagging fear that maybe Saints would come to rue those missed chances after dominating the game. Few experts felt Saints had a big enough advantage to get through, including Klopp. He began the mind games almost as soon as the final whistle went, which brought an end to a wretched night for a side who barely managed to attempt at goal. Such was the dominance of Virgil van Dijk at the back. The Reg manager cranked up the pressure, suggesting Saints would be disappointed with the scoreline and their failure to turn their dominance into goals. He said... The best thing for us is the results. We know we can play better at Anfield. Nothing is decided. We cannot be happy with the performance. Southampton cannot be happy with the result. It could have and should have been 2 or 3 nil. But the German had reckoned without the defensive toughness instilled by Puel, who was unbeaten in four managerial meetings with Liverpool, soon to become five or six if you include the next league visit to Anfield. 
The home fans grew increasingly frustrated as, against all the odds, Southampton stood strong before snatching a dramatic winner a minute into stoppage time as Josh Sims broke and set up long to fire home against a backdrop of delirious Saints fans. It was no more than they deserved over the two legs as Puel's side reached Wembley without conceding a goal en route. Now time for the tactical watch, as always, by Sam Tai. What's the secret behind Newcastle United's brilliant season so far? It's been an astonishing rise for Newcastle, who just over one year ago were battling relegation, but now find themselves inside the Premier League's top four and competing in a cup semi-final. Many will automatically point to the big signings they've made in this period, and true enough, Bruno Glomeles, Nick Pope, Sven Botmund and co have been pivotal figures in this season to date. But Eddie Howe is rightly receiving his fair share of credit for devising a strong modern tactical plan and for drawing good form out of the supporting cast of players. Twelve different Newcastle players have scored a goal in the Premier League this season, a marker for how much of a communal effort it's been. What defines the style that Howe has implemented? There are echoes of Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool in this current Newcastle side. They're one of the best pressing sides in the division and spend long periods on the ball, trapping opponents in their own territory. The formation has tended to be 4-3-3, with Guillaume Ehrlich pulling the strings in midfield and Callum Wilson leading a very dynamic forward line. Joe Linton, either from left wing or central midfield, retains the ball very well and helps drive the Magpies into good positions. There's a huge right-sided attacking bias to Newcastle's flank work, as Kim Trippier exerts a big influence coming forward from right back. He links well with his midfielders, playing give-and-goes, in the hope of finding space to send in a dangerous cross. Dan Byrne at left-back is more of a stabilising defensive presence. They tend to string together very strong spells of pressure, chipping away at their opponent's rear guard by winning the ball back high up and staying in attacking territory. Their passes, allowed per defensive action, a statistic that helps measure how active teams are defensively, is just 9.02, the third best in the league behind Arsenal and Chelsea. How can Saints cause them trouble? Well, this Newcastle team are at their most dangerous when they've settled into a period of control, so competing with them and disrupting them in midfield is of paramount importance. Saints have been strong in this department of late, and it forms a core part of Nathan Jones' philosophy, so expect nothing less. Establishing a foothold here opens up transition and counter-attacks for Southampton, who can then look to work the spaces. Trippier vacates or plays longer balls in behind the left side of the Magpies' defensive line, which is slower than the right. This suits Saints as Carl Walker-Peters has really started to roll recently. He's spent the last few weeks leaving opposing left-backs dizzy thanks to his wriggling dribbles. More of the same could prove a difference maker here. Good evening, Saints fans, and welcome to St Mary's ahead of a night where Saints could take a stride towards the Carabao Cup final with a good performance. This tie against Newcastle United is the reward after our superb display in the quarter-final against Manchester City, and there is an interesting dynamic with the two-legged format in the semi-finals. Any team that reaches the final of this competition fully deserves it because they will have to overcome their opponent both home and away, and that is a difficult thing to do. We know that overcoming Newcastle will be far from easy. They are in great form and doing very well in the Premier League. They have good talent in their team and that, coupled with Emma Mason and passionate support, means it will be a difficult fixture for us. However, it's one that we will take on with the same attitude that saw us overcome City in the previous round, and our own support could certainly play a part tonight. There are some notable Saints memories in the League Cup when we think back. 
We'd reached the final in 1979 when a mixture of the FA Cup winning squad and new players were captained by the legendary Alan Ball. Nowadays, that squad is not as well remembered as the FA Cup winners because they were lost in the final. We won the trophy in 76 but didn't in 79, so that is a clear difference. We would be talking about that 1979 team just as much if they had two won at Wembley. Winning a tournament is such a tough thing to do, but it's an opportunity to make yourself a hero to so many people. I always used to think that when I was playing, that when we embarked on a new cup run, there was a chance for success and to be remembered forever by doing something extraordinary. I firmly believe that Saints can do it, but our levels have to be up to the standard that have got us this far. It is, of course, not that long ago that we had a memorable League Cup run in the 2016-2017 season. Those memories of the semi-final win over Liverpool are brilliant, particularly when you picture Josh Sims breaking away and setting up Shane Long for that famous goal at Anfield. Then, in the final, we ran Manchester United very close and perhaps not having VAR cost us back then. Right now, though, Saints have a semi-final to get through. We need to get past Newcastle first. It was great to be in Lando, Florida at the weekend for the Premier League Mornings Live Fan Festival. It was an event aiming to promote the Premier League in the United States and I was pleased to be part of the Saints presence out there. The club hosted an event that I was involved in, including a Q&A where I answered questions on my career, charity work and all things football. It was great to see the interest in our league and our club across the Atlantic. Franny.